Welcome along to the Make It Count podcast, or welcome back. Thank you for being here. My name is David. And I'm Matt. And we're making it count, apparently. I always want to say, and we're the Taylor Bros. Which is the right response, actually, yeah. And we're the Taylor Bros. This is our podcast. So, Matt, what are we talking about today? We are talking about um, nice versus kind, or um, uh, maybe more strongly, don't be nice, be kind. Okay. Yes, because you sent a video to me about five, yes. six minutes. Yes. With this idea that there's two types of kindness. There's the kindness where you cause no harm, cause no suffering. Yeah. And that's a commonly understood type of kindness. Yeah. Which we might actually say is niceness. Yeah. And then there's the second type, which is this idea of loving honesty. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is a guy who's uh, in the psychology space and he's got a YouTube channel. And he does those sort of videos. Um, you could potentially put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's explaining this and saying, uh, the thing I quite liked about what he was saying is when I started doing a bit more research around this, there was a lot of articles um, contrasting and comparing nice versus kind, doing definitions, and and on the whole, a fairly disparaging um, the whole concept of niceness. I quite liked that this guy said, actually, you could think of it as the two faces of kindness, two faces of the same coin, and how you do actually want both of them. Uh, if you only have one, you're leaning towards this, I think, it, um, oh, what was the phrase? You're basically, you're overly heavily weighted, and it's, it's not a good thing. Mm. And probably most of us would lean towards, or at least it seems like you know, the cultural context we've been in, leans towards that niceness which is why you might have a lot of these articles when they're looking at the two are going hang on let's swing back over to this the kind space yeah Um, so the niceness being don't cause any harm basically it's tread lightly but actually his sort of kindness bit i would almost say it's more of a long-term thing yeah yeah and he talks about in the video uh california i think it was the state which in one of the, either last year or the year before had more um, more people die um, on the streets from you know kind of overdoses or even just being exposed to the elements than COVID deaths, mm. um, and say and but, but that's a a state and of where it's very much that kind of you know you do you you live you and it's kind of going well that's the I'm not going to step on your toes I don't want to interrupt and interfere with what you've decided but it's not the Actually, I might need to go and do something uncomfortable for you and me right now in order for your benefit. Mm. And that's the kindness, that's the the loving honesty um, and being willing to enter into something that's maybe uncomfortable. Yeah. And he talked about this idea of self-destruction, didn't he? And I, I, th- I think I wrote down one of the quotes he said, you can't think of yourself as kind if you don't at least try to intervene with someone's self-destruction. Yeah. Our niceness might see someone's self-destruction and be like, well, I don't want to make it worse or I want to harm their emotions or their feelings. But he's like, actually, the kindest thing to do is to at least attempt to. And you can't always guarantee how that's going to be. But if you see someone in self-destruction, they're causing themselves pain. The kindest thing is to show loving honesty to that person. Absolutely. And but I, I like the idea because it was quite convicting. You can't think of yourself as a kind person unless you're willing to do that. Yeah. And it's like, how many of us think we're kind, yeah. but we don't yes. have the courage to go and interfere, basically, or intervene, or at least attempt to? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the, um, that, in a sense, that's why you have um, 
either in media or in reality, the, the, the instance of the intervention, you know, a group of friends or maybe the family gathers around and says, look, we need to address this. This is a destructive pattern, whatever it is, whether it's relational or substance abuse or workaholism or whatever. The, the intervention is an act of kindness. Highly uncomfortable. Nobody would want to be there. It's And it can be managed badly that doesn't work. But ignoring it is a complicit of we would rather our... Um, the status quo where we can just about manage and, and not bring up the conflict. And I watched a, another video uh, by another famous psychologist, psychiatrist space, Jordan Peterson. Mm. Um, and it was a bit of a mishmash video, so it wasn't he'd put it out, a few different talks. And he talked a lot about um, agreeableness. And I think that if you look at the, con uh, the concept of nice, agreeableness is one of those defining terms that comes up a lot. Uh, and it was really interesting because he was saying ag agreeable people um, often actually when, when he talks to them in a therapy place, uh, they often actually have in, within them <laughs> this anger and this uh, frustration that they, that they need to let out because they, they're frustrated that they haven't been able to express themselves in their own things. So they don't even maybe know how to or they haven't had the training of courage to step out and do that mm. um, and, and I thought that was really interesting how it, yeah, nice is agreeable and it's you know, I want to put a good face on um, but actually in, in, uh, in seeking to maybe avoid conflict it's not a good long-term solution he said because if you're going to work out anything there has to be conflict mm. and it's not about avoiding conflict it's about doing conflict well and managing that engagement well such that you don't end up in um, eternal conflict that you come together mm. having worked through something yeah. i think that's really good really part because he's talked about himself um he doesn't like conflict and so his best way of getting rid of conflict is attacking it early because getting it done with almost ripping the plaster mm. off and that's really interesting and that's a challenge to me because you know, anyone in the enneagram space uh, my understanding is i am nine a type nine which is this depending on who you listen to, but this um, peaceful mediator or the avoider basically av does not like conflict. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, I've got this eight thing, which is this doesn't want to be controlled and so is willing to have a fight. And on the other hand, I've got this perfectionist streak on the one, everything's got to be right. And I'm sitting kind of in the middle of, well, I don't really want to have conflict. And so often that leads to putting off conversations, which maybe would be better off being had. And the longer you put it off, the, the harder that conversation becomes. Mm. Um. Yeah, and I think his idea uh, in the first video of, of loving kindness, or sorry, loving honesty, yeah. is really important. Like I played for a football team for a number of years and the, the coach at the time, he was quite, well, he would say honest, but it wasn't, it didn't feel ever like it was placed from love. Yeah. And so it wasn't nice or kind. It wasn't pleasant, actually. Mm. And it, it didn't really help me, move me forward, motivate me, any of those things. So it was quite a difficult time. Sure. So there were some people, but yeah, I'm kind. I'm honest with people. You know, like, honesty doesn't equate to 
kindness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there has to be a love there, a genuine like, oh, I'm doing this out of love. Just because you say it doesn't mean it's felt. You know, yeah. there is an emotional aspect to it. When you've got the phrase, of people ask the question sometimes, kind of very brutally honest with you. Like, actually, I prefer you not to be brutally honest with me. I prefer <laughs> you to be lovingly honest with me, yeah. which might mean you say some hard things and you say it straight, but brutally honest kind of implies I'm willing to brutalise you. I'm willing to beat you up with this. Mm. Yeah. So a number oh, a few years ago now as well. I remember sitting in uh, in this meeting, this, this service, and you're sort of a bit bored, aren't you? The person stands at the front and said, "Oh, you know, you've got to do this training. It's excellent. It's some brilliant training." And and this would happen week after week. And eventually, I was like, "Well, you know, if it's really good." So it's, in their words, it's some of their best training. Like, I should do this training. So I went along, it was for like one hour sessions. And in my opinion, it was really bad training. Like it was really bad. And I actually went and talked to this person. I said, ultimately, I think this isn't very good. And you standing on the stage and saying, this is excellent. This is the best thing we've done. It's it's a problem. And actually after that, they sort of didn't say, they, they did sort of wind it back a little bit. They weren't saying, this is excellent and this is really good. But ultimately, all of us are complicit in that by what we might understand is like lies by omission. Mm. And uh, nobody else had gone up to him and said, hey, this isn't very good. Yeah. And, and so it's one of the things many of us really dislike. It's when someone shows up and they just lack self-awareness. Yeah. You know, they think they're this, but they're not. They're actually far away from their, reality, their, their view of themselves. It doesn't match up. It's like, well, that's all of us who have who have been nice to this person, but not lovingly honest to this person. Mm. And actually, so sometimes that that lies by omission is quite an interesting idea. There's a lot to unpack there, but yeah, I think when we when we see a disconnect, we have an opportunity. We can be nice. Oh, that was really good. Thanks for sharing that. That was fantastic. Or we can be like, hey, uh, my experience was that it was a bit far away from that. So. Uh, you know, how do we work with that? There, yeah. there seems to be a gap here. How can we narrow that? That's a, a loving honesty. Because I want you to be better. I want it to be match reality or or what is actually going on. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. The this concept of uh, lies of omission and almost the deception. And one of the articles I was reading, they had a heading within the article that was the dishonesty of niceness, mm. and they were saying ultimately. Um, the difference between niceness and kindness goes boils all the way down to motivation. So it might actually, on the surface of it, look quite similar in terms of behaviours. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, you do a nice or a kind act for someone else. But if you boil it down to the motivation, it can be very different. They're saying fear is the one that is stemming or is, is, is flowing out into niceness. So niceness is stemmed in fear. Uh, this idea of you know, take it back. I don't want to be ostracized. Or I, you, if you've got a, uh, a boss that you want to please, I want to please them. Uh, so it's acting out of fear, uh, but also a desire then to potentially curry favor with. And so it's a, it's quite an inward looking uh, reaction. It's quite an inward looking behavior and motivation. I want to um, shore up my position. I don't want to be extra. Uh, ostracized or 
or moved out mm -hmm. and I want to curry favour with others. So I will be nice hoping that others will be nice to me. I'm giving in order to get back. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas kindness, they were saying, uh, was really uh, is rooted in love and it's this impulse to help others out of compassion um, and not expecting anything in return. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you, you, that immediately got me in the mind of thinking, you know, what does Jesus say in some of his teachings, you know, Luke chapter six, he talks about the golden rule, you know, do to others as you would have them do to you. Mm. And lots of people like that and um, would say, yes, we all hold to that. And many um, world ethics and, and religions hold to that. But then he goes on and unpacks it a bit more. And he says, you know, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even the sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. And then he turns it and he goes, love your enemies, do, and it just changes, you know, do, do the completely rand, rad thing, which is do the complete opposite, love the person who is your actually enemy. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, if, if niceness is giving in order to, to receive back, I ultimately, um, uh, uh, a poem that I, I um, heard someone reading out in this on a TED talk, they were saying, you know, being nice makes my life nice. And I quite like it to be nice. It makes others approve of me. And I approve of approval. It allows me to avoid conflict and tension. And I don't like conflict, but don't tell conflict because it might make a conflict. Uh, it was quite good. And I just, yeah, it's ultimately about my life being nice, my life being approved, my life being free of conflict and uncomfortable emotions and feelings. Mm. Whereas it's safe, you know, it's, it's, it's safe. Uh, nice is safe, but kind sometimes pushes outside of that comfort zone. It pushes into the, should we need to address this? It's not safe. It's pushing through that discomfort for the sake of growth or for the sake of helping someone else get out of a self-destructive pattern. Um, yeah, I can't remember where I read it. It was somewhere in the last few months. But they said, ultimately, if you're being nice if you just want to please people mm. like you said there's an agreeableness there you don't want them to have hurt feelings or tread on their toes such a very low opinion of people you're saying for them without their permission but for them their highest value is just to be placated sure rather than a desire for growth huh. or for some higher value of um, openness or honesty or uh, and even you're saying they're they're weak to a degree. They're not able to handle the difficult stuff. You know, like I couldn't tell them the difficult stuff because they they're not strong enough to handle this, or they might not weather it. Mm. And I think me and you have both been parts of situations and debriefs where people get together and it's like, yeah, what's what's one thing that went really well, and what's an encouragement you could say, and um, yeah, like what what's one thing that we uh, we can carry on doing really well and it's like okay yeah but what about where's the how could we get better what what's something that we need to make sure we don't do in the future because this didn't work and yeah actually the avoidance of those things creates weak people mm. because you've never had to deal with it then you've yeah. never had to deal with somebody go actually david when you said this i don't think it worked or 
actually we need to flip this up because this didn't work in this way and that needs to change yeah and if i've never had that then i am weak because i can't handle the stuff when someone says something a little bit uncomfortable to me yeah and and so uh yeah i just think that in, in the, ultimately we're creating weak people we have a low opinion of people if we just think all they want to do is be placated and pleased yeah wow um yeah and and a, almost a low opinion of ourselves if that's the height of what we want to attain to as well mm. going back to that statement um he said in the video you know you, you can't actually tell yourself you can't call yourself kind if you're unwilling to um was it stop someone's self-destruction self-destruction well, yeah, attempt to intervene attempt to, yeah attempt to intervene in someone's self-destruction it's like if i if i'm yeah if the height of my um, aim for someone for someone or a situation is just to go let's just keep everyone comfortable right now um yeah that's that's a pretty well, low bar to aim for put this in a different context you're in a team training and someone is standing at the front and they're doing this 45 minutes an hour long presentation of some sort mm. and it's it's pretty mediocre so four out of ten shall we say so you've got a room of 10, 20 people that are bored out of their brains. Afterwards, you're having a conversation with the presenter. Or you can say, hey, that was pretty good. I can see the time you put in. Yeah, like, well done. Thank you for doing that. Or are you going to speak up for the other 20 people mm. and be like, hey, you know, I see that you did some, some good stuff there. Have you thought about, boom, or actually, if we took an energy poll for this room, it's going to be a three right now. That's yeah, how you've yeah, left yeah. the space. Um, actually, it was the 100-point presentation. You know, more than a point a minute. That's too many points. Like, whatever. How can we tighten that up? You know, and actually, you're, you're helping that person get better at presenting, hopefully, depending. But also, every future presentation they do might be improved. And so yeah. you've been kind to every person that has to endure their experience, that experience again. Yeah. Uh, it's so easy to be nice in that moment because I don't want to hurt them. And it's a timing thing. But yes. I've done presentations. Actually, straight after is probably not the time to not hear it. Not the right time. But actually, arranging a time to do some feedback. Absolutely. Or even preempting it uh, and going, hey, let's help you prepare. Let's do a Let's set a meeting yeah. afterwards. But actually, it doesn't happen without <laughs> intention. But also, it just it's the long term. In that short term, in the straight after, I can be nice and I can if, be wary of offending their emotions. But ultimately, if they want to get better, if I want to help them grow and develop, and if they're doing presentations, ultimately that affects lots of other people, yeah. then there should be a desire to, to be kind to that person, to be honest, lovingly. Not in, I've come to shoot you down, as in, I've come to help you. Like I've got some help that we could work through here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a really interesting um, example because when I was reading about this and reflecting a little bit, uh, thinking about this idea of nice being safe and comfortable um, and thinking uh, the, the episode we did last, was it last week or the week before on Chatter? Mm -hmm. uh, and he was saying, what was the experiment they, they did for students to, to get them effectively in a state of stress and discomfort that passes an ethics board? Ah, oh, yes, public speaking. You know, five minutes public speaking with five minutes of prep. Uh, and that's really interesting. So like, uh, a, 
almost a, a massive fear in our society is the discomfort of being in front of people and presenting uh, so that you are the one on display. Mm. And that is a huge stressor because it's uncomfortable, because I am on display my, or my ideas or some of me. And, and I think that maybe gets a little bit into why, um, why are we so drawn to niceness or what's the appeal of it? Well, it allows me to just kind of hide. I can just, I'd, if I'm the one that steps forward and effectively initiates a, to be honest, I wasn't very good, you know, or there, there needs to be some stuff done here. Mm. And as you said, it, there are people that would love to do that because they love to bully. That's not what we're talking about. But the, out of a true desire of, actually, for the sake of everybody and, and you, we want to improve this. Well, you're now in the limelight. You're, you're having a conversation and you are saying, this is what I truly thought. Mm. Uh, and partly that's allowing someone else to, cut across that and disagree and people don't like that either but there's something about niceness allows you to hide in the crowd and it's safe in the crowd and it's comfortable but stepping forward to be to do something kind it opens yourself to risk and to being seen um and and judged even yeah and to to start to maybe flip this conversation around ever so slightly before we wrap up is that there are times when i've been kind lovingly honest to people and those people have attacked me back. Mm. They've responded uh, manipulatively, unkindly. They, you know, they, they, there's a lot of ways this goes wrong. Yes. And you can try as well as you can, but ultimately, there are some people that will turn around and attack you because they feel like they've been attacked. Yeah. There are going to be people that shut down from you, that shut you off from them. Because, again, it feels like an attack. And so you've got to do the nice thing. You're not deliberately coming there to blow them up. You know, there is there are ways to be kind to people. But but ultimately, you can't always control that. Yeah. And that's why some people, we all just don't bother. Yeah. Because they become too... They make it so difficult to be honest to them that nobody even bothers with it anymore. Yeah. And And I can't do anything about that. But I can do something about how I respond. Yeah. And this is a journey of, of maturation, I think. It's something I've seen in my life where, yeah, initially, something's going to be so hard. I, I'm not very, I don't really overreact outwardly. <laughs> but inwardly, I still can. Yeah. But actually, there's a development, a growth, and something to go, well, actually, I do want people to be honest with me. And this is the whole idea of the Jahari window is that mm. there are things that I know about myself and that other people know about myself. That's what everybody knows. There are things that I know about myself that nobody else knows about me. You know, so that's self-knowledge as well. There are things, though, that other people know about me that I don't. Yeah. And ultimately, I don't want that box to be too big. Sure. And the only way I can shrink that box is by asking, by getting outward input on that. Mm. And and so it's a, it's a self-growth, it's a self-awareness, it's a self-knowledge. You think you know how you're coming across, but unless you ask openly and honestly, you don't know. Mm. And so the best way to find out is to ask. And that helps you put your defensive barriers. It's like if you have to receive feedback or you're going to gonna receive advice, the best way to do it is to ask for it. 
Sure. Because you in you in the asking of it. it, you invite it, you've created a posture where mm. you're ready to receive. And it is much worse. Nobody likes the ambush feedback. Nobody likes the sandwich feedback of the, oh, you did this really well, but this was really rubbish. But you did, we like this about you. No, we nobody wants that. Everyone has got red flags all over the place around yeah. that. You know, just get to it. But be honest with people. That's it. To me, like kindness is being honest with people and it's, it's doing it lovingly, not brutally. Yeah. Wow. I like the way you, t- yeah, you did the, the, the twist on that. And if we're going to, if we want to be kind to other people, that involves being honest with them. But being kind to, we talk, you hear about being kind to yourself. Actually being kind to yourself is being willing to hear the uncomfortable truth. What is it like to be on the other side of me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How am I actually coming across? Not in a self-centered, narcissistic way, but in a, how do I appear to other people and what, do, what, what is the effect of that I leave on a room? Mm. Um, and, and the temptation always, if someone's like honest with you in a difficult thing, is to, is to go and attack them, yeah. is to get defensive, is to throw the balls out, is to overreact, is to like get out of that uncomfortable situation. But that's why I think the journey of maturation is to, to know how to handle that without exploding that relationship. Yeah. And one last point. So you said about, for example, the example of the example, the example of the public speaking mm-hmm. and going. If you if you're in a good uh, growth culture, you would have like a beforehand. Right, what are some of the things that you're really focusing on that you want to hit and uh, in this? Then you pre- you do the you present and then you come back and you have a feedback and you look back at what were the things you were aiming for. Mm. That's our measure of success and that's what we're going to focus on. Great. You so you've you've scheduled that and you're where you're prepared for it and it's not a ambush it's not someone's attack it's like we've agreed on this and so how does this relate to other things you know a family or relational dynamics in a sense i would say don't procrastinate on this this is one of those things you know go back to the procrastination um episode we did there are some things that don't have deadlines so relational tensions we are capable of putting off for a long 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 time until they explode Mm. well get used to having these small and often little conflicts where you hash teeth out and you get better at it it's Mm. a skill to learn rather than waiting for the big thing and then you don't know how to handle it and then it explodes you don't talk to each other for a while and then you kind of ease back in and you haven't addressed it but you're back on a level of peace it's a Mm -hmm. Ceasefire rather than a true peace. Mm. So don't procrastinate on being kind, people. So go out there, be kind, and sometimes nice. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us for this episode. Let us know what you think. Have we missed the mark? Are you, what do you think about this area? We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Go make what did you count. think of this episode? Oh. Was it nice? I liked it. I thought it was pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> go make it count. Mm.